I feel like Boudica could really use like like a hot cocoa and a blanket. Oh, she'd drink you know? it under the table too. Oh, like, I mean, yes, yeah. that yeah. too. I, I'm more like, yeah. girl, are you okay? Do you need like a hug <laughs> or vengeance? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can do one of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this wine would taste better if it was served in a Roman skull. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and as always, I'm joined by Red. I've got a mug of tea, and I'm ready to rock. Fantastic. And uh, for today's episode, we have two very special guests, Zach and Zeb from the Woman Cards. Hello. Welcome to the show. Hey, team. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, this is uh, this is very exciting. Um, I'm I'm very uh, happy to to have you folks on today. Uh, we'll we'll talk about the uh, the projects that that we've been up to and uh, and and why you folks are are here today for for my most recent video um, in a second. But uh, could you quickly uh, introduce yourselves to people who might not be aware of uh, your work and what you folks do? Uh, sure. Um, so I'm Zeb Walls. I'm a freelance illustrator and I have been uh, sort of uh, working uh, with the woman card or as the co-creator of the woman card since 2016 with my older brother, Zach. And uh, he's largely helped sort of run some more of the business logistical side of the uh, project. And I've done all the artwork. Uh, Seb, it is Seb's a very familiar yeah. dynamic to OSP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Seb, Seb's the creative. I'm kind of the behind the scenes guy. But it's been a lot of fun to work on over the years and excited for this newest project that we'll be talking about. Hell yeah. 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 All right. So uh, before we jump into that uh, and we get off on our, our, our own crazy tangent with this, uh, Red, <laughs> you had uh, a video for a kind of thematically appropriate February belated valentine's day yeah a, a trope talk on love triangles how, yeah. how was that one to assemble <laughs> that was fun you know it's great every time i make a video about a romance trope i always like i have that moment where i'm like why am i talking about this why am i of all people talking about the one space of tropes that i just categorically don't see the appeal of why me and it's like because I want to, that's why, you know, that's why I do I mean, all you're stuff, an but... impartial observer. There's no one yeah. better. <laughs> Genuinely, my perspective is incredibly valuable because I don't see the appeal, so the writing has to be really good to get me. Um, but, yeah, no, it was actually quite fun to assemble because uh, I, I could take it from a very sort of categorical perspective where it's like, okay, you know, let's take the love triangle archetype and let's break it down into subtypes and let's let's discuss their pros and cons and the way that they work and the the subplots you can do with these specific arrangements. You know, let's let's avoid the categorical easy judgment of these are always stupid and let's just talk about why they're stupid. Just so save that for the conclusion. <laughs> yeah. Save the little snark for the conclusion. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um and it was fun because uh this is this is one of those tropes where like I know by reputation that people think it's dumb, and I know why, but I don't tend to deal with the stories that handle it super badly, because those stories tend to be not fun. So I end up sort of having to pick examples from stories that actually handle it, like, moderately well to quite well, rather than the massive space of of spaces that handle it incredibly poorly, which is actually a common trait I've I've been dealing with with some of the tropes I've been writing up recently. There's, There's one upcoming where I had to, like, look up some reddit threads of like <laughs> worst of this trope of all time and just like kind of look through them and be like oh yeah these are pretty these are pretty bad <laughs> but yeah. um it's it's the trouble that i don't tend to enjoy bad media so well except for bad movies and i don't tend to thus engage with it so like my example 
pools are fairly limited. But I can always just use the Phantom of the Opera movie, which is uh, really saved my butt it's on very this useful. one. So useful. Or, I mean, that's why you keep the rest of us on retainers. So, you know, when you're <laughs> like, hey, I need a trope about this, and you, you know, fire off a message to the group chat, and then Cyan's like, oh, yeah, actually, did you know that the uh, the love triangle in um, The Hunger Games is actually a whole thematic thing about Katniss trying to relinquish her uh... responsibilities to Mockingjay and actually looking forward to, a like, a, 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 a chill life? It's like, oh, oh, hey. Well, Okay, yeah, cool. It's it blowing yeah, my cool. mind right now. Yeah. No, that one I didn't get either because, like, Hunger Games, I, I was unfortunately in the camp of, like, look, it's telling interesting stories, but I can't get over how contrived this entire situation is. And, like, I know that's the point. I know that's a feature and not a bug, but I was still in, like, I couldn't quite immerse myself in it. So having that perspective on, like, if you look at it like this, it's actually very, very heartfelt. I was like, oh, that's really useful. Yeah, and of um, course, when my wife suggested this, she, like, said it with a completely straight face, like, of course you know, da 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 It's like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. lay it out like that, I guess, yeah, it makes sense, but I never yeah. would have thought of it. <laughs> it wouldn't, yeah, easy peasy. Uh, so, yeah, no, it was really fun to work on, uh, and I got to, uh, use some examples from uh, Rumiko Takahashi, the manga creator whose bread and butter is ridiculous love triangles. I mostly used footage from Inuyasha, but she also made Ranmo one half, which has like a love dodecahedron, which is very funny. We're getting uh, into Brian David Gilbert territory. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I wouldn't even want to try charting that relationship web. It's like there is, in all of her works, there is the OTP, the two people who will get together. Everybody knows it, but each of them has like seven or eight love interests who are deeply into them one of them can also like switch genders at will and each of his forms has people who are in love with him so like it just gets way more confusing some of them are in love with one version of him but hate the other one and don't realize they're the same person and it's just like they drag this out for like 50 manga volumes and then at the end the otp get married and it's like wow okay cool <laughs> that was a whole I lot thought of monogamy was complicated <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, good stuff. So it was a it was a fun one. I got to sort of splash around in the paddling pool of romance tropes once again, yeah. uh, with a slightly less overtly judgmental tone than uh, I, mean, I have used in times. You even said like in the very beginning of the video, like of course you know, and, and like Zach, to your point, like yeah, like relationships are easy, like they're not complicated. You just it, it happens, you know. It's like magic. So of course the the only way to make this more complicated and like emotionally fraught is to add several other people to this equation. <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes I gotta remind people why they call me overly sarcastic. <laughs> um, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it, uh, it was a good time, and I got to draw on some examples. I got a lot of mileage out of Phantom of the Opera and Les Mis because uh, they oh, both yeah. had... Like, Phantom of the Opera is such a good vestigial love interest example, and Les Mis is such a good, this probably could have just been a polycule and it would have been fine example. <laughs> um, oh, God, poor Eponine. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I had a great time. Uh, the comments were uniformly very positive, which I was good. impressed by because with ra- romance, it's like, it, it's a shot in the dark, man. I don't know if I'm going to hit, like, a pothole and piss off everybody in the world because <laughs> um, I just don't know how it works but in this one it, it went pretty well most people were just like oh this example was cool or this one is dumb or everybody hates this or hey terrible writing advice where are you at which was a pretty funny running yeah. theme it's, um, sometimes it's tough because you're never quite sure if the audience is going to bring the popcorn or the pitchforks and like <laughs> there's some trope chocks where like it could go either way. <laughs> and there's somewhere I know it's going to be pitchfork time, and I just gotta, I gotta be that knife cat meme where it's like, you can bring the <laughs> knives, but I'm just gonna be sitting here being smug, having opinions on fridging. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. Uh, good times. Um, I don't know how much really there is to say about this. Like, I, I had, I took a very kind of mathematical perspective on it, like just charting out the, uh, you know, the different shapes that love triangles can take. 
the, the different arrangements, the different strengths and weaknesses of each node. And uh, I, I kind of touched on, like, you know, the, the little episodic ones where it's like, oh, we've got a bottle triangle. We're just bringing in a new love interest just for funsies. And, like, if I'd, if I'd edited it a little bit differently, there was a specific example I wanted to use. It's from Ben 10 Alien Force, and it's the episode oh, that guest stars Will Wheaton for the first time. <laughs> Indigo, I see you nodding along. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mike Morningstar, baby. Uh, <laughs> but it's just always funny when they have the like the obvious OTP, and then they're like, wow, who's this attractive new character? I, I sure hope the, the OTP doesn't get... Come on, guys, who are you fooling? Obviously, they're going to be evil or something. Yeah. Um, this is actually what... The funny thing is, um, my dad uh, is, is a history person. He watches like my history videos religiously, and he watches the myth videos a lot. He's like, I've never really gotten into the trope talk ones before because like the examples Red uses are all media that I've, I've never seen. It's all, you know, it's like your generation stuff. Uh, my, my dad is an older gentleman. So Your dad like, hasn't I, you watched She-Ra? Come on. No, yeah. He seems like I, such I the type. <laughs> I figured that he'd really enjoy it, yeah. Um, but he's like, I, I'm kind of curious. Like, I, I want to actually, like, try to watch some of the trope talk. Should I start with, like, this past week's video, the, the love triangle or something? I'm like, you know what, Dad? Nah. <laughs> Give this one a skip. I don't think there's anything in here for you. <laughs> oh, man. I appreciate him trying, though. That's very nice of him. Yeah. <laughs> Like, do you think I'd like this one? I'm like, you know, I can recommend you a couple other ones that Depends you might enjoy on, a little more. <laughs> yeah, what are your thoughts on Gerard Butler singing? Um, so, yeah, oh, no, uh, definitely. We've, we've pulled the video up in a different window. We're now watching it on mute. Oh. We're appreciating the charts. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes, yeah, I, no, the, I do enjoy like, making charts. <laughs> the the most important feature of of the trope talks is like genuinely the charting and the graphing, and uh. to a lesser extent the color coordination. Like you know, <laughs> RIP anyone who is colorblind. <laughs> I um, try. I really but do. it is so useful the way that Red you use like every every trope talk has a different primary color, mm -hmm, and that is just mm -hmm. like the the artistic through line of the entire video. And like all the themes and everything, it's it, it it's color matching. Like I, you know, baby color theory, but it works yep. so well. It's so effective. I'm glad. Yeah, I mean that was kind of the point. I wanted to make it really visually clear. Like, what am I talking about, and what category does that fit in? Because I really like categorizing things. Yeah, it's so soothing to me. And with love triangles, I was like, this is perfect. I've got A, B, and C. I've got the node character, and I've got the spoke characters, and I can just keep going. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah, no, it was it was very soothing, like kind of writing down the categories and like which of these are subcategories of other categories, which of these, are, you know, and then let's classify them as true triangles versus mock triangles. Let's do that. And it's just it was I don't know, it was very soothing for me to work on. And I'm glad it worked for people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's such yeah. a complicated space of tropes. It was nice to just like give it a nice organizational like structural overview of like these are the different kinds and the subtypes. It, it is a trope talk where the categorization is so useful because it demystifies the trope, whereas a lot of tropes like, yeah, you know, we know there are, you know, a couple different types of anti-hero, but like, yeah, we're, you know, oh, with this God. one, it's like, okay, actually, like, understanding the different, like, structures of love triangles yeah. really is is useful to, un yeah, so. That, that anti-heroes uh, video one. is probably the one where I went the most ham on the charting, and I still don't know <laughs> if any value can be gleaned from that video. I had a great time, but like, Oh, most I love of the, that video. Yeah, most of the comments were like, this is by far the weirdest one you've ever made, and I'm like, really? <laughs> but it's got so many graphs <laughs> um, it's anyway. like the you know is batman you know like lawful good oh, or you know and then it's like because you could argue it either way with anti-heroes it's the same exact thing mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. yeah um yeah, so. the case of neutral good 
Uh, <laughs> I mean... Or if I just stepped into a debate for which I'm woefully... Well, this is the problem. When you try and do this with any superhero, you run into the fact that there is no singular canon for any superhero character. Right, They're characterized yeah. completely yeah, differently. Yeah, depends on which version. Different versions, yeah. different runs, different writers, uh, different times in the same writer's career. Yeah. Because, uh, like, we're dealing with, you know, a character that is almost 100 years old yeah. uh, and has thousands of different iterations. Right. Yeah, when I was uh, when I was doing the Pure of Heart video, I kept kind of, like, anytime I used footage of Batman or Superman, I was like, I gotta put a little asterisk here and be like, this really only applies in this specific run, and, like, the number of times they make Superman evil, but I don't count those as real Superman, and it's <laughs> right. like, right. yes, that's right, me, the final authority on what's canon in the DC yeah. universe. So. I mean, Honestly, that's yeah. why I feel like it, one of the, the things that we've done well for Trope Talks is, like, whenever we're talking about superheroes, the definitive version is the Justice League animated and, like, yeah, extended yeah. <laughs> DC animated universe thereof. Like, those yeah. ones that's are fair. the ones yeah. that count. Yeah. Everything else is, like, okay, we specify, like, this version of Batman. Like, yeah. like Batfleck Batman does XYZ. Like, Arkham Games Batman does, you know, ABC. But, like, if we're talking about, like, Batman TM, we're talking about the one from the Justice League cartoons. So, the only weakness of the DC animated animated universes they do not have a single good version of nightwing like it's it's tragic but other than that that's the definitive version <laughs> yeah. anyway so that was uh that was my video in yeah the no sorry zach this terms. did this is not a, this was not your fault but we did end up like you you activated like waves yeah. of, of information we've been like holding in the back of our heads trying not to like let it spill <laughs> my but, sleeper yeah. agent mode i'm fighting down the urge to talk about why terry mcginnis is the best batman again no 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 yeah we're done <laughs> anyway that was my video but you had a video that's much more pertinent to almost everyone else involved on this call <laughs> <laughs> Statistically, yeah. Yeah. I actually just had a, a Facebook memory pop up of me in a Batman outfit about how, of course, you always want to be yourself unless you can be Batman. In which case, uh, obviously, obviously, you're yes, Batman. The, yeah, the choice, yeah, the yeah. choice is, is obvious. Exactly. Uh, 2015's yeah. favorite meme. <laughs> yeah. A simpler and, time. Uh, yeah, yeah, beautiful. But uh, so uh, this this was a, a fun project in the process of, of of getting you two on on the call today, and the the, the steps leading up to it was um, uh, in the. Years past, I had gotten uh, as a gift from my wife Cyan the the tech deck uh, from the Woman Cards with with famous women from from all over the the history of, of science, including yes. uh, some some particular badasses such as Hypatia of Alexandria, a fave. Um, and we I got was my like, girl oh, Marie these... Curie in there, or uh, yeah, Marie Curie, yeah. the ace. Yeah, yeah. No, she, yeah. Right. <laughs> no, we gotta have the rock stars in the deck. Of course, too. of course. Yeah. yeah, it's what she deserves, really. Yeah, exactly. Ada Lovelace, Florence Nightingale, oh, all, all the the greats uh, from from the befores and the the more recent um but i was like oh these cards are so cool um and of course me thinking like big ideas i'm like what if there was like another deck that was like all history people Ooh man that would be what? great and then i sat on it for about three months and i'm like dear the woman cards <laughs> i have a proposition yeah i think like yeah. it's funny because after we got the pins working i there was like a psychological shift and we were like wait what if we just like reached out to like cool people who make stuff we like and we're like hey you want to like hang out <laughs> and like make more cool stuff like it really emboldened us and I, I remember seeing it kind of click over for you from like oh i mean this is a bit of a gamble but it would be great to being like hey so there's this kickstarter uh these guys are really cool <laughs> um <laughs> let's just like see if they want to do this <laughs> I'm like yeah, yeah. Let's, why not let's see it so um, the, the selfish root of this project was like i've, I've done videos on, on various famous women history makers in the past um, um, Anna Komnini, uh, Sappho uh, and a few others have cropped up uh, like Cleopatra's cropped up uh, in other videos <laughs> yeah, um, she's a bit of a uh, Hatshepsut's shown up in other videos and, and some other people from, from the deck have, have been kind of in the background Ching uh, Ching yep. uh, and I'm like all these people who've had in our videos like what if we had 
those characters in Zeb's art style. And I'm like, all right, let's see if we can make this happen. So my greedy wish to, to see uh, all the, these cool people that we've talked about on our channel in this art style in a deck has, has spawned a, a much larger project um, that ended up being a, a ton of fun. So, I mean, it, as of the time of this call, the project's funded. So yeah. if you want to buy a deck, um, it's guaranteed you'll get one. No, no having to worry baby. about, um, like, oh, will the project be funded or not? It got funded uh, pretty speedy. It's happening! <laughs> Exactly. So now it's real, which is great. Uh, and it should be, Zach, I don't know, uh, you know, late summer, fall kind of kind of timeline. Yeah. So production, we're expecting uh, hopefully to go to press sometime over the summer to ship um, in August and should arrive no later than September if you're Perfect. in the United States. Uh -huh. uh, it might be October for some of our overseas friends uh, or Canada and uh, Central and South America. Um, however, we're uh, we're really excited about it. Um, and I don't know, Deb, do you want to maybe talk a little bit about the genesis of the whole project? And yeah, the, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I'd love how to we hear. got to where we are now. Oh, of like the woman card. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Take it back oh. to the beginning, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, let's uh, rewind back to that wonderful year of 2016. Oh, winners oh, yes. only that year. <laughs> <laughs> Good year for Leonardo DiCaprio, bad year for everyone else. I mean, him finally <laughs> winning that Oscar like broke the seventh seal. Like, it's, yeah. it's not oh, right. oh, it's his fault. It's his yeah. fault. Oh, my gosh. Something also, under the, the Vatican the World exploded. Series. It was oh, like God. everything that should have happened. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Exactly. 2012 needed to so be adjusted for inflation. <laughs> so there were two nice things happened that year, and yeah. um, everything else was bad. Although yeah. this was good. Oh yeah, this was good. So, yeah. so the short version is that in 2016, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump are running against each other yeah. uh, for president. And at one point, um, Donald Trump accuses Hillary Clinton of playing the woman card. Oh. And my, my sister uh, was at that time still uh, at the University of Iowa yep. studying uh, art and illustration and had recently done illustrations of all the presidential candidates, both Hillary and Bernie yeah. and I guess Martin O'Malley. And then yeah. like the 50 people who were running for president. Because they all the come through time. Iowa, right? right? They all come through Iowa. So right. I Very already had a bunch state. of illustrations on standby. So she, <laughs> she kind of does this little mock-up of Hillary Clinton as the ace of hearts. And I'm like... People will 100% buy that. Mm. And uh, so we wound up creating a Kickstarter. Our first Kickstarter, we were trying to raise $5,000 uh, and we wanted to make like 500 decks. That was kind of a, that was the goal. We thought, oh, this would be a cool little thing. Uh, we wound up raising $150,000 and uh, to date have printed hundreds of thousands of decks. That's awesome. Um, wow. That's so, so cool. it was a, a great lesson in what the internet will do to you if it likes your idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, to you, yeah. And, yeah. you know, the, the concept of meeting a moment uh, is definitely yeah. uh, what happened there with that first one. Absolutely. No, yeah. no, no doubt about it. Um, but today we've now produced three different decks. History Makers will be our fourth. Um, our, our classic deck was uh, was exclusively American women who had changed the world, even though the deck was stacked against them. And then our second deck was girls and women across the world. And then the, the third deck, which is what your wife bought you, was a tech deck featuring women in STEM. Yep. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, some some real, real cool... Uh, just seeing the the variety um, of of the people who you put in your cards was really great. I mean the, the the original woman cards, you know, specifically focusing on America, it makes sense. But with with girl power and with the tech deck, you you know the the diversity around the world is really really cool to see, and that's something that I I really wanted to try and capture with with you know working with you all to to come up with the the list of of people to put on 
the uh, of the history makers deck was like I mean you know we, we focus a lot on you know the Mediterranean uh, and and ancient and medieval history and stuff like that a lot you know Greece and Rome and mm. Norse mythology Egyptian, Egyptian mythology and all that stuff we really wanted to try and take a, a, a wider approach and and focus on on women from you know pre 1900s pre modern uh, you know to kind of support the concept that you know women excellence uh, um, <laughs> is is not it's not new. It's not. It's not an 1800s yeah. invention. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a forever thing. Uh, yeah. and, and really, you know, focusing exclusively on people from you know the the more forgotten periods of of, of women's history from from way back when 1800s and before, uh, and getting from you know ancient world, uh, medieval world, Renaissance, early modern, uh, you know, industrial era, and then from um, you know America, Pacific. Uh, Europe, Africa, Asia, uh, really getting a, a, a variety was was important. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, given the comments on the video that I made with <laughs> going through the list of all 13 people, we clearly did not get everyone. Well, uh, oh, really? I mean, that tells me the more. hardest part, right, is like narrowing it down. I mean, that yeah. You, yeah. you guys were fantastic because you, you already did like the hardest part, which was like providing <laughs> a list of women and like a short little blurb about each of them. And then also like reputable images for, oh, you yeah. know, what they looked like, what they would have worn, etc. Yeah. which is like, I'm not a historian. So that's always a bit more of a challenge for me to find. But like, yeah, every single deck, the hardest part is trying to narrow it down. Yeah, what, you yeah. telling me that there's more than 13 women in history? It's crazy. I mean, I, no after I got to 10, I was really struggling to find three more just in, in all of history. Like, yeah, I, I, all over the world. I, there might be a 14th if I look hard enough, but... <laughs> I mean, God, we've only got 50% of the entirety of human history to draw on here. I mean, we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Well, and then we had a couple of folks I saw in some of the comments, like, oh, where's Joan of Arc? Where's Hypatia? It's in like, another well, deck. Actually... Right, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so we had Joan, uh, Joan of Arc was the king in Girl oh, Power, yeah. and then Hypatia was in. She was in tech deck. In tech deck. Yeah. yeah. So. You know, it's I, I don't want to get too spicy, but it's always interesting <laughs> to me that like whenever we go back and we're like, look, a woman in history who did something cool, the number of people who are like, oh my god, the female species has finally proved its worth to stand alongside us. And it's like, oh yeah, finally, finally. Yeah. Now we did it, ladies. We 2022, the year of the woman. Well, right. <laughs> we I mean, finally was... earned our stripes. <laughs> that was that was one thing that when we were first starting the project back in 2016, we were actually really trying to lean into. You know, there was this really derogatory. I mean, and, and set aside whatever feelings you have about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, but the comment Easy. itself that kind of provoked the whole project was very mean. Was very, I would say, misogynistic and it's yeah. kind of you know, frankly, nasty. And to try and take that really negative experience and turn it into something positive and educational and fun was the whole point of the project in its in its uh, beginning and a, a spirit that we've tried to maintain over the years as yeah, we've no. done more iterations of the decks. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a very like positive thing to take to take something intended as a wholly derogatory sentiment and then just be like, hey, the woman card. Look at how nice and cool it is. Look at this beautiful <laughs> illustration and how, how yeah. fantastic we really pulled this together. And look at how many people wanted it. Isn't that funny? So, yeah. no, I, I think this is a great, I mean, you know, the, obviously this is a very spicy field. You know, we're, we're, we're brushing up on the edge of politics here. And politics is a very dangerous space to discuss on YouTube. But it's just, you know, the the transformative nature of humor and art is something that I think is so important. And the ability to take something intended solely as a weapon against you 
and turn it into something beautiful and supportive and educational is just really spectacular. I mean, it's what we try to do, but you guys absolutely nailed it right out the gate with this one. Oh my God. Thank you so much. I mean, (laughs) like that really means a lot. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, there's really something special about being able to reclaim something in, you know, whatever form that takes. Uh, and this is, is such a cool project um, and, and all the different shapes that it's taken over the years now now turning into uh, into this and being able to, you know, say, oh, we will, uh, you know, we'll, you know, take the, the money from the Kickstarter to make the cards and then whatever profit share would have gone to OSP. Nope, that's that's going to a charity that's going to actually help the, the Malala funds to put you know, women around the world into classrooms again, because, you know, it was already tough to, to have, you know, parity of, of educational attendance between, between boys and girls. But after COVID, like mm-hmm. everyone kind of got screwed, but, you know, girls especially are having a much harder time getting back to, to yeah. classroom settings and getting back to their education. So being able to, to then use this to do, you know, real good work in the world is, is super duper cool. Uh, yeah. that, that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm super uh, excited about uh, the the promise uh, of uh, of this deck and of all these cards. So it uh, it works on multiple levels, um, which which I think well, and it was exactly why we were so excited, uh, yeah. Blue, when you reached out uh, about the the prospect of working together. You know, we've one of the most common pieces of feedback that we've gotten over the years is that folks want to learn more about the women depicted in mm. uh, in the art, to learn more about their backgrounds, their stories, and their contributions. And we've just really, I mean, to, to my sister's point a second ago, we're not historians. We don't have a, a YouTube channel where we talk mm-hmm. about this stuff. And um, so to have the opportunity to collaborate where you could bring a lot of that historical knowledge and that broad audience to tell these stories. Yeah. Uh, and Zeb can bring um, her art st- skills and, and her uh, kind of visual storytelling. Uh, it just seemed like a perfect match to us. And so we were really yeah. excited when, uh, when the collaboration got put together. Yeah, yeah, it was a great match. And I think it, it, it the further back you go, obviously, the tougher it gets because records are, are thinner in general. And then, you know, there, there's this concept that, like, you know, women's history is a new thing. You know, when you're doing <laughs> when you're doing the original woman cards, there there is somewhat of a canon of, like, foundational women in American history. Like, you know, there, there are listicles online and stuff. Like, there's kind of an understanding of, like, you know, you can, if you were to, to make, you know, a deck of cards of, of 13 people in, you know, women's history in America, like... We got Betsy you know, Ross. A hundred people would, would probably, you know, some family feud kind of stuff. Harriet yeah, you, you'd have a lot of overlap. But yeah. after you go back, like, before 1900, like, the the, the field is open. The, the options are a lot less known, and there's a lot less room for, there's a lot less um, likelihood of overlap. So it, it becomes a lot trickier from a research perspective to do that. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, when, when I put in, you know, Anna Komnini, the Byzantine princess and, and first woman historian, do most people know that she's the first woman historian? No, most people <laughs> don't. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, there are all these amazing people who, they, just their stories for one reason or another, uh, have gotten muddled or, or, or lost to time. Don't uh, get enough one press. Way. Not even lost to time, but have yeah. been kind of yeah, smooshed to the bottom of the stack. Mm. Um, so it's uh, it, it's very cool to to have this educational component, being able to have you know the QR code uh, on the the deck when it gets printed and sent out. It's like if yes. you want to learn about these women, scan the QR code, go watch the video. Honestly, um, it's such a good so design. yeah. The, the difficulty was trying to get everybody in yeah. in thirty seconds, uh, 30, 35 <laughs> seconds each, but. But for the purpose of an overview, um, it was a it was a necessary uh, uh, necessary choice. It's like, would I like yeah. to make a full ten minute video on everybody? Yes. yes. Give me some time. I probably will. But <laughs> for the purposes yeah. of this video, 
Yeah, I uh, saw so some people getting on me about that in the comments, but it's like, guys, yeah. come on. Like, recognize what the point of this video well, is. And, and a bunch of, there are a bunch of videos of folks who are included already, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some, yeah. some were, were mild duplicates where, like, uh -huh. Sappho and Akomni Ni, just, like, they have their full own videos. Cleopatra has her own video. Ching um, was brought up some, in an earlier Ching video, Ching yeah. showed up in another video. Hatshepsut mm -hmm. showed up in another video. Um, so there has been some, like, I mean, Artemisia Gentileschi showed up in another video, but she's in a different deck. Right. Um, there have been some little bits of overlap, so some people are like, oh, you're just copying your scripts from before. I'm like, no, shut up. <laughs> how hard it is to boil this down to 30 seconds? It's it's really hard. Yeah. It's like, yeah. would you want me to not include Cleopatra because I talked about her before? Get out of here. Yeah. She's the best. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, if, boy, yeah. if there was ever uh, if there was ever a better uh, candidate for, for the ace in this deck, uh, Ana Cleopatra. It's oh, exquisite. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, she yeah. was great. Yeah. I mean, and she's so much fun to draw. I mean, there's been oh so many gosh, different interpretations of her and Blue, you really came through with um like just giving me some good reputable sorts <laughs> of like information mm -hmm. as to like what she would have looked like because that yeah. is just there's a lot of um yeah. <laughs> not great uh Yeah, the, I mean people <laughs> Imagine Cleopatra in a million ways, but right. to, to dig into specifically the Cleopatra card, and, and the reason I think the, the art works so well for, for her especially, um, is that the, the choice of, of outfit that Zeb drew is essentially um, the traditional dress in which the goddess Isis is depicted in Egyptian yep. art. Cleopatra associated herself very closely with Isis um, in basically all of her iconography, but instead of a, a fairly, like, you know, red dress, it's like... It's kind of a, a weird silhouette of a, a very long pencil dress. I don't know how she'd walk. Um, but what it is is we, we took that that style of dress, but then kind of Greekified it by by having it be like like white, you know, like linen robes, yeah. um, and then adding all of that like Egyptian jewelry and all of the fans and, and grandeur that would accompany an Egyptian queen, but still like keeping that that kind of like aspect of her her Macedonian heritage there, and and finding a way to to kind of blend that and making it not like pick Greek or Egyptian, but like actually harmonize it. I'm, I'm really satisfied with how that turned out, and Zebby did a fantastic job. Oh, so, thank you so um, much. Yeah, we, we, we did some great work uh, <laughs> figuring out who to put and, and getting everyone done. I'm very excited to, to see everyone on the deck. But uh, with that said, Kickstarter is live through the month of March, um, so if you want to get it, uh, you still have time. But also, uh, Zach, do we have any uh, any plans for stretch goals that we can uh, share with everybody quite yet? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the goal for the Kickstarter was $20,000, and that that was kind of the minimum order that we needed to make sure that everything penciled out if the cost of cards and what and printing and all that stuff um, however we are going to be announcing in the next week or so the stretch goals that we'll be rolling out we're really excited uh, to share some of our plans around that uh, we know that there's going to be a lot of appetite out there for folks to try and, and get on board and we would certainly encourage you uh, if you're interested in getting a deck make your pledge now uh, in addition to the decks there are uh, large prints like posters uh, that you can uh, get if you pledge at the $100 level or higher, as well as the opportunity, and I think I might actually still need to add this into the Kickstarter, but for an mm -hmm. uncut sheet of cards. So the way that cards are printed is, is like a one big sheet and then you punch them all out and that is your deck of cards. Uh, but one of the most popular kind of collectible items is the uncut sheets. Uh, and so we'll have that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I will definitely be wanting one of those. <laughs> those are <laughs> of course great. you will. <laughs> they're, they're oh, really Oh, shut up, Red. What? <laughs> Don't you put me on blast like I that. I can see your flag of Venice and your video game displates from here, okay? I know you, man. Just gonna just gonna casually turn my camera off for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> your right, custom-commissioned flag of Venice, no less. <laughs> 
Just don't tell people how much it costs. <laughs> um, all right. But with that, uh, yeah. let us move on to the Q&A portion of the yeah. podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question comes from one of our lovely, lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the channel, support the podcast, consider becoming a patron and have a chance for your question to be read first on a future episode. This question comes from Half a Kryptonian. To all, who is the best fictional pet? And why is it Bear the Earth King's Bear? Which I think oh. they meet Bosco. Yeah, his name is Bosco. Oh, yeah, Bosco. Yes. He is just a bear, just a uh, which I think yeah. is what they were thinking <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah. Bosco's great. Understandable. Mm. Yeah. But who's the best fictional pet? Well, I feel like I should answer Crypto the Super Dog, given the oh. username of the person who asked it. Yeah. Uh, and Crypto is, a, is a real one, so <laughs> I feel like... Kind of... Yeah. In the same vein, gotta throw it down for Lucky, the pizza dog from the Hawkeye. Oh, run. Lucky's great. Also Everyone Lucky's loves Lucky. Series. Yeah. Ace we the love Bad a good Hound. boy. Everyone loves Ace the Bad mm-hmm, Hound. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, <laughs> there's so many dogs in the DC universe and the Marvel. Yeah, and universe. we're really leaning into like the superhero pets, but like that's not yeah. necessarily like you know fictional pet is mm-hmm. like a whole broad range. I think. I right? would like to think that Clifford the Big Red Dog could fight crime yeah. if he was inclined. <laughs> yeah. I'm amazed oh, yeah. we haven't gotten the edgy 100%. Clifford crime fighting reboot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they gave us Lunatics Unleashed, but not Clifford the Crime Fighter. <laughs> I, I also feel like we kind of have to work around the definition of what exactly constitutes a pet, because it's like, does Toothless the Dragon hmm. count as a pet, or is he a life partner, you know? Like, hmm. it's, a little, it's a little tricky, but I mean... Is he a bestie or is he a pet? Uh, Valid questions. Yeah, yeah. That's where a lot of the um, uh, Battle Cat and stuff from like He-Man fit to this too, where it's like, are they a character in their own right or are they a pet? Yeah, Swiftwind the horse, I think, would greatly object to being called a pet, but also like... What about Catra, lol? Oh, no! (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, that's a spicy take right there. (laughs) And next question. Yeah. Blue, do you have a favorite fictional pet you didn't answer? Uh, is this your way of sneakily yeah. trying to get a... Oh, Clifford, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Actually, you know I what? I see sneakily trying to get around the Th- question. There's a lot of, like, <laughs> old kaiju movies where, like, the the kaiju had, like, a token little kid they hung out with. Like, all the okay, gamma movies. I was gonna movies. say, if you try to tell me right now, are you, are you, if you kind of, like, Godzilla as a pet, well, but that's, I feel like that's <laughs> definitely outside the I definition. mean, that's what confuses me, because it's, like, a lot of those kaiju form, like, friendships with humans, and then it's, like, does that... Like, just be, look, Godzilla's an antisocial son of a bitch. We all know that. But Mothra has friends and a social life. So, like, does she count or what? Well, um, but right, like, well, here's she's another question. You know how, like, is she a character in her own right? But you know how, like, people have, like, pet insurance in case, like, you know, your cat gets, like, you know, a little kitty cold and you need to take him to the vet and give mm-hmm. some treatment? Mm-hmm. I'd imagine that, like, pet insurance for Godzilla is, like, insurance <laughs> for all the shit they destroy. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> it's insurance for you. Yeah. Mothra insurance, insurance is really hard to claim because every time she explodes, it, like, she coincidentally leaves behind a cocoon that's going to turn into another Mothra and they're like is it the same Mothra or is it Mothra's kid you can't prove it's not the same Mothra so we can't pay out uh, yeah I'm starting to see the issue here uh, needless to say there are a lot of good wait I gotta shout fiction. out the robot dog from Metal Gear Rising Revengeance because uh, he's okay. got like a more angsty backstory than the protagonist does um, anyway actually no my answer is Wolf Link oh what, what? I mean does he? Well, I guess Midna thinks of him as a pet, but like, does yeah, that, does, yeah, are we are Midna's we really letting pet. Midna be the judge of character by which we define Twilight Princess? Yeah. Okay. Why not? Mm. 
I just don't no, think no, she really no, has the most power. Let me give a super answer and say uh, Hobbs, which is oh, not technically nice. a pet. Oh, but yeah, like yes. definitely my favorite uh, no, that's fictional that's animal protagonist. Yeah, that's a solid pick. Yeah. I mean, Zach, here's yes. the thing. Most of the time when we answer questions, we try to pick the most bullshit answer possible. <laughs> so it's important <laughs> that like we actually have like a valid answer every once in a while. To amend what Blue is saying, it's not that we try to pick the most bullshit answer. It's that our answer usually just is the most bullshit Yeah, that's answer. just how we work as people. At this I point. mean, I figured that as a politician, I was going to be the one giving bullshit answers, but apparently not. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Even a broken We're really knocking it out of the Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, those good boys aside, we've got more questions to get to. This one comes from Zeke. To all, how do you manage to keep yourselves so organized? Your schedules all seem very well put together, and as a chronic procrastinator with a dissertation to write, I'd love to hear how the experts do it. Also, bonus question for Indigo. Where'd you get the name Ziggy? Um, Ziggy is my cat, and she is named after the David Bowie album. But how do you guys keep yourselves so organized? Um, do you keep your? That's <laughs> I can hear red laughing as I'm reading this. Wow! Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, like deadlines. You know, I, yeah. I always, I've always mm. found it's not necessarily that we don't procrastinate. It's that you procrastinate up into the deadline, but by setting aggressive deadlines, you uh, create accountability. Mm. And you know, I think that certainly is how I work. And Zeb is—I mean, she's a machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I try to be. <laughs> I mean, like, I, think... I have to sort of front load my work because I don't work well when I'm up against a deadline. Like, it, it stresses me out and I get less efficient. Uh, I know for some people, like, setting deadlines really works, kind of add that urgency they need to sort of get started. But for me, I, I like, work less well the closer I am to, to the deadline. So what I do is I set myself deadlines really far in advance, and then I front load and I buffer. And that means that I can take like days off or just sleep weird or spend an entire week doing nothing but playing breath of the wild and because i have it buffered like that doesn't i I don't get that sort of weird little guilt spiral of like oh Hmm. i'm being unproductive because i've already been incredibly productive uh because i i can do bursts of just like ridiculous overwork that that don't actually wipe me out because then i have recovery time it's just if i have to do that up against a deadline and then i have to immediately start something else while i'm still like kind of worn out that's when it's bad for me. So, like, I, yeah. you know, there's peaks I, and valleys for me. Every once in a while, I'll wake up to mm-hmm. a message from Red, like, hey, so I accomplished, and it's, like, you know, like, spaced out over the course of an evening, like, several messages, like, hey, you know, one o'clock, like, oh, I accomplished this, yeah. three o'clock, oh, I got this, like, six o'clock, okay, so I stayed up a little bit late, but I've got, like, seven videos buffered, and I'm like, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. <laughs> I, I have that with my sister sometimes, for sure, she'll... Oh, yeah, no, there, there's a little bit of, like, a peaks and valleys definitely mm-hmm. just like sometimes as like the artist you know like sometimes you get in the zone and then you just like have to uh, go until you're done love it and then, but yeah oh yeah zone. exactly i mean that's really it like when when you are you know an artist or a creative type like your ability to function is kind of conditional on your energy levels and your mental health like you know your ability to enter the zone which is significantly reduced when you're when you have to like slog through something really tiring or when you're stressed or worn out from something else so it's it's less about setting a schedule for me and more about cultivating my own mental health to the point where the art that i create is good and i'm in the zone while i do it so it 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 cannot be about deadlines because that's a disruption to the flow of my work so instead, it has to be like, I need to give myself enough time that I can take the time I need. And, you know, it, it can be like a whole week where I'm like, oh, I've made no progress. I feel so bad. And then in one night, I do all the stuff I've been trying to do all week and I'm good. I'm good for the rest of the time. Everything's yeah. chill. Um, I 
I don't quite work the same way. I am the kind of person where if I can get excited about a thing and see why it is cool, I'm like, okay, it is right and just that I continue working on this. <laughs> and then if I pair that with over-caffeinating, or not over-caffeinating, <laughs> but like highly caffeinating, <laughs> then it's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm great. So my usual like tea consumption level over the course of a day is like pot of black tea to start, uh, at like, you know, eight o'clock and then, you know, like 10 or 11, I'll, I'll hit a pot of green that'll get me through about lunch. And then after lunch, I'll put on another pot of black and that gets me through the end of the day. And then eight hours later, uh, it's like, I did a whole bunch of nonsense. Uh, and it's great. And I'm like, yeah, this is cool. And then the tea gives my body the energy to keep up with what my brain is excited about. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I always have like the, like the coffee temperature sort of, uh, metric of how productive were you in the morning? And like, if you go to reach for your coffee and it's like super cold you're like oh i was so productive because i didn't even reach for my coffee and then if you you know if it's gone then you know you've just been sort of like sipping all day and just haven't quite actually gotten maybe as much work done as you should but yeah that's yeah i you know it's interesting i i learned a while back that like one of the most clear-cut physiological signs of ADHD is that stimulants don't have the expected effect on you because what they seem to do is essentially balance your neurotransmitter levels up to something approximating normal rather than kicking them into overdrive. So I had a a pretty fun experience, I want to say like a year or two back, where I made that like Dalgona coffee thing for the first time, which is like two whole tablespoons of instant coffee crystals, which is about the equivalent of six cups of coffee. And I mixed it up and I was like, can't wait to document what this does to me. And I, had a very, I had a very productive eight hour work night and then I went to bed. So that was pretty telling. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the thing that I would say yeah. to the person who asked the question, to Zeke, who's working on the dissertation, mm-hmm. my, so my wife is a novelist. Um, she uh, just sold her first romance novel and she's currently writing her second. Hey. And her her mantra for writing in particular, which is different from art in, in some respects, is just like a thousand words every day. Mm-hmm. And they don't have to be great words. Mm-hmm. They They don't have to be... You know, if she's if she's really in, you know, she's really in the zone. Sometimes she'll do twelve hundred or fifteen hundred or more, but just like doing the thousand words every day. And then when she started writing her first book, I got her like a little hotel bell. You know, you ding it, and um, she gets to ding the bell at the end of of hitting a thousand words. Nice. And um, that's definitely I think helps her just kind of take the elephant and break it down into bite sized chunks. I mean, you know, it it, it's Mm -hmm. different for everybody. Like for me, I. I find my ability to be productive flags if I set myself any sort of you must do this every day no matter how you're feeling goal. But like right. I know for some people that's exactly the motivation they need. Like for me mm-hmm. it really does work best if I sort of like I I kind of have to treat my my brain as like a a slightly temperamental like dog. <laughs> Where it's like, you feeling this today, buddy? And it's like, no, I just want to sit here. And I'm like, okay. And then I'll just be chilling. And my brain's like, hey, bud, hey, bud. I have a lot of really good ideas about comic storyboarding. And I'm like, okay, I'll, let me just get set up. We're good. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, it, yeah. I, I found that if I if I have enough projects to switch between, then whatever my brain is like, hey, we're in the mood for this. I've, I've got some great ideas. I'm like, great. And I can make progress on that. And then I can make progress on the other stuff. And mm. But I have sometimes just had to sit down and be like, look, I'm not enthused about any of this, but some of this work has to get done. So we're just going to sit down and do a chunk of it. And we're going to be fine. And yeah. sometimes that works for me too. Yeah. But And the diversity yeah. of our answers here, I think, speaks to the fact that there is no you know one size fits all solution. And the trick really is to experiment with, with different things and see what works. And we, we yep. give this advice every once in a while where it's like genuinely, like try different things and and see what works because you might be surprised what does and what doesn't but you won't know until you give it a shot for yourself so of course the germans the germans have a word for this sitzfleisch 
which literally means like your like your butt, and like it's about being able to sit down and work and keep your butt in the chair until you're done working on whatever. Uh, German is such a useful yeah. language. God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they have a word for everything. What's English doing, man? Yeah, seriously. Oh, who knows? Um, yeah. All right. Well, this next question comes from Duchess of New England. Ooh. To the artists of the podcast, what recommendations do you have for someone who wants to get into digital art? What hardware and software is best to begin with? Ooh. <sighs> um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think it I think it depends on So I use a like a a Wacom Intuos Pro. Ooh. Um, but like you really don't have to start with that at all and I, I honestly I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Um so like an iPad the... is like a super like i mean that that works just as well in like a lot of respects um and instead of like trying to get into photoshop you just like pick up procreate which i think is like 10 bucks yep. right now and like the value mm -hmm. for that is like just incredible yeah. is, um, is intuos so one of the ones with a screen built in uh where you can see what you're drawing on the tablet um no it's not it's one mm. of the it's just like one where you draw directly on it and you have to look at the computer screen and that right. is like a bit of a mm -hmm. learning curve um yeah that's for, a hump yeah um it, it just takes a while to get used to it just not looking where you're drawing and that is like one reason why an ipad would probably be an easier transition or just like any sort of portable tablet i think there's a lot of options out mm -hmm. there right now i'm not yeah. super well versed on the, the myriad of choice uh that you have but um digital art so much of it is just like regular traditional art so if you have a mm. good foundation there it's like going to be a little easier to make the the jump or the switch um a lot of the fundamentals are just going to be the same from one to the other um, but yeah, I would, if you have an iPad, definitely pick up Procreate. That's like, it's a super powerful software. I use yeah. it all the time. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Procreate mm -hmm. is great. I, I've used that too. It's, mm -hmm. it's a little bit different than what I'm comfortable using because I started off with a, uh, a bamboo Wacom tablet, uh, which oh, nice. was like very yeah. small, basic, uh, like I, I bought it with like a gift card. I won in an art competition <laughs> in high school. It was my first foray into digital art. Um, and it was very small, but it you know it served me well for several years. I uh, since swapped over to a Huon H610 Pro. It's uh, oh, nice. it's very similar. It's just got like little hotkey buttons on the side that I like mm -hmm. using. Um, uh, for drawing software, I've been using Clip Studio Paint EX since it was called Manga Studio <laughs> like eight years ago. Oh yes. Um, and honestly, <laughs> they are so good. They go on sale like almost like every couple months, and it's incredibly powerful software. And like. Honestly, their support is just very impressive. Like, they just kind of kept upgrading it. So Manga Studio turned into Clip Studio, and then they added a suite of animation tools just randomly, and at no point where they're like, oh, your key's pretty old. You should probably buy a new copy. No, they just let me keep using the thing. So just lots of respect <laughs> for them as a software company. And they've got a very powerful tool suite. It's great for comic drawing. It's great for illustration. And it is quite good at cell animation. Um... And it's remarkably affordable compared to almost all other animation software. Oh, yeah. Like, even as that's gotten more accessible in the last few years, like, I remember when it was literally impossible to acquire any kind of affordable 2D animation software, but now, like, it is a thing you can get, but Clip Studio just has it, along with all their other stuff, which is fantastic. Um, but, you know, it. what exactly drawing software you use kind of depends on what you want to do and what your personal taste is in tool yeah. suites. Absolutely. So, for instance... Procreate, like you mentioned, uh, I find it's quite useful for some things. It's 
brush suite is a little weird to me. It's like, it's got all these fancy options, but it doesn't have things that I consider staples. So like, if I want to just do like a basic kind of snowy particle effect, like that's one thing, because they have a specific brush for snowy particle effects. <laughs> yeah. But if I want to draw a star field, which I would normally be able to do with that snowy particle effect brush just mm -hmm. tweaked a little bit, I can't modify it. I have to do that some other way. So it's, you know, there's pros and cons. Procreate is like, so user-friendly it almost loops back to being user-unfriendly because it's got its presets but you can't really tweak them but it is great it's very accessible if you already have an ipad uh which is quite good you can actually look at the screen where you're drawing which is a big step like that that drawing tablet hurdle mm -hmm. is big um it, it took me yeah. several months to sort of get over the lurch and and get used to drawing with my hand in one place and my eyes somewhere completely unrelated but it is a very useful tool suite. Uh, you can get a, a pretty small tablet for quite cheap. Uh, the the ones with screens built in are much more expensive, and in my experience, not really worth it, especially if you're kind of just getting into digital art and you're not really sure yeah, if this is a yeah, thing. Yeah, definitely. Unless you are an industry professional, do yeah. not shell out for that. It just not doesn't make any it. sense. Like Not you for can... your starter tablet, for sure. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely yeah. not. iPad yeah. is perfectly serviceable if, if that is an option that you have. Although I would suggest if you do go with an iPad, um, there are several like screen protectors. I personally use Paperlike mm. um, that add a little bit more friction to the surface oh, because particularly with the Apple Pencil, it's like hard so plastic slippery. on glass and it, it's yeah. so slippery. It's like, it's just, you have to like redraw your line like seven times to get it yeah. like clean and smooth and what you want it to, to be. So I would recommend um, if you have like a Wacom tablet, they have little nibs mm -hmm. that like add a little bit more friction, which make it seem a little bit more like traditional art. And I've found those to be very useful. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to go with the iPad option, definitely Paperlike is a fantastic investment. Um, We're going to need to look into that. Oh yeah, that. for sure. It's, yeah. Like, it's just, just super suffering. handy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Drawing program wise, uh, I will recommend Clip Studio Paint EX. And if you don't want the super expensive version, Clip Studio Paint Pro. Uh, it's got, mm -hmm. I understand, almost all the same tools, but it is like a quarter of the price. And of course, they still also go on sale. I will not yep. recommend. Uh, I use Clip Studio Paint Pro, and it yeah. is as functional as Clip Studio X if you're just drawn for fun and you're yeah. just getting into it there are tools totally, i just totally don't use it. in ex but like x is the version that manga studio upgraded into so i was like well i guess i have this now but it has yeah. like 3d models for stuff that i've never used and don't understand it, you know it's fine um i will not <laughs> recommend adobe products because they are getting increasingly user <laughs> yes. unfriendly and hard to acquire i know that some of the tools are good but like if you're just messing around with digital art just get clip studio paint pro it's fine it's not expensive you pay for it once and then you just have it and Adobe won't be like, it's weird. Looks like you have an old And if you do have Adobe already, do not be deceived by the naming conventions of Photoshop and Illustrator because I have Adobe for other things and started drawing digitally in Illustrator thinking that that was what that product was for. for illustration. It's called yes. Illustrator. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Yeah. Sorry, Zeb, you no, were no, saying something? Um, oh, no, no, no. Just <laughs> like the, the fact that Adobe has switched over to subscription model is just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. It's super yeah. gross. Yeah. And they're trying to like worst. backwards, like <laughs> incompatibility it out. So if you had the oh, version yeah. you just paid for once, they're like, oh, this is terrible. It looks like like you've been bamboozled well that will be one million dollars please like, yeah, no, just, like, just don't get in with them man they're, it's not a healthy relationship yeah my my only ex contribution to this discussion is that i got uh, adobe photoshop elements in like 2016 
and I'm not going to give them any more money, so I'm still using, like, fucking Stone Age Photoshop <laughs> elements. I will probably switch at some point. I just haven't yet. But anyway, yeah, I feel yeah. like uh, yeah. uh, it's probably the uh, the art discussion. Uh, yeah, we've squared. covered that yeah. pretty solidly. An entirely different discussion about uh, continual beef with consumer-grade Adobe products. But we've got uh, other questions to get to. <laughs> so this one comes from uh, Aaron to all. If you could have a drink with any person from all of human history, who would you choose and which beverage would you pick? Well, this is awkward Ooh. because oh. I do not enjoy the taste of alcohol and I don't drink. It could be, a, they said beverage, not uh, alcoholic drink. You know, so in my experience, like get, when people say, do you want to get a drink? Else? They don't mean sure, like a hot the, coke their or something. Their lack of specificity in this question is working to your advantage, Red. Mm. Well, no, but Red, think about it this way. You can get like someone from you know before the cultivation of of cocoa in the new world in like the 1500s and be like hey cleopatra check this shit out <laughs> <laughs> that would derail the mark antony bit a bit she's like we got to go where this is from and we gotta <laughs> take it <laughs> oh boy history oh, man. i mean like how do you not pick like some deity right i mean like this whole like jesus thing did like i'm sure by the way homemade wine uh i'm sure it would be pretty good oh. you know i mean that that seems like maybe would be one option i don't know i think i'd have to go for like a fun writer like like an oscar wilde or something oh, and just go yeah. get like wine oh. drunk on an afternoon or something yeah. that'd be a party yeah no fantastic no oscar wilde brunch with a oscar wilde incredible yeah <laughs> Yeah, let's see. I mean, you know, right now, like, I'd love to get Vladimir Zelensky uh, glasses. Oh, oh my God, Zelensky. Oh, I mean, I know it's a temporary so figure. Be like, can I just, like, buy you a whole round? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's on me. Oh, boy. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know. Just like buy up all of the like you know vodka distilleries in Eastern Europe and just be like Vladimir Zelensky's or Volodymyr Zelensky's like personal stash. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the basic option at this point. I just think Da Vinci would be a great conversationalist over mm. coffee, especially yeah. if you got him like just a little bit over caffeinated. <laughs> you just gotta let him loose on the uh, espresso machine and yeah, set. <laughs> let him figure that out. <laughs> yeah, I feel like with like twenty more years and like more coffee, he probably could have figured out spaceflight. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Spaceflight's not that complicated on paper. <laughs> Things just go up enough, mm -hmm. and then we're good. <laughs> I actually just saw a great Da Vinci quote that really spoke to me, which is about, I mean, I'm going to butcher it a little bit, but basically how he, he learned at a young age that, um, you know, things didn't, ha you know, like people who, who had accomplished a lot didn't wait for things to happen to them. They went out and did stuff. Oh, and that's something that I just, I frankly, I really admire about anybody who's a creator or creative type is the willingness to put themselves out there into the public and to go make things happen. So tip of the hat to you all and as well to my sister for uh, having the courage to put her, her art out into public consumption. It's not easy, yeah, uh, but things don't just happen to you. You gotta go out and make them happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. This is where yeah, Da Vinci is definitely not the kind of person whose stuff happens to. Correct. Uh, <laughs> he, he was born the illegitimate son of of a notarist, which is not, you know not nothing. But he was like, all right, I'm gonna go hang out in Andrea Del Verrocchio's workshop and paint better than him. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, Da Vinci was the thing that happened to other people. I think. Yeah. <laughs> he was the inciting incident in so many lives. <laughs> oh, not wrong. Yes. Um. Yeah. Hmm. If 
Yeah, I, I, another version of this question that I've been asked was, like, if you could go on, like, a double date with anybody in history. And I think Sine and I agreed, like, yeah, we'd totally like to go on a double date with, with Caesar and Cleopatra. That would absolutely, oh, like, yeah. unequivocally rule. So, Off like, in if the corner booth judging people together. Yeah, like, <laughs> if, if we're splitting, like, okay, fine, I'll go get a glass of wine with Cleopatra. But, like, if, if I can, like, extend the scope of the question to, like, you know, go on a double date, Sine and I would just, like, chat up Caesar and Cleopatra and just, yeah, go just people watching, just talk about about nonsense that'd be so much fun <laughs> oh man power couple yeah god that'd be funny um i feel like my lack of historical knowledge is really kind of hobbling me on this one you know <laughs> so many fun options and yet i'm like i just don't want to narrow it down yeah i, I mean let, let, no, let's think about the, the people in the decision. history makers deck and any of those uh yeah. particularly speak to you i feel like boudica could really use like like a hot cocoa and a blanket. Oh, she can drink you know? under the table too. Oh, like, I mean, yes, yeah. that too. I, I'm more like, <laughs> Carl, are you okay? Do you need like a hug <laughs> or vengeance? I don't know. <laughs> I can do one of those things. Yeah. This wine would taste better if it was served in a Roman skull. <laughs> I, well, I, gotta admit, there, I was a little bit bummed with, with like how many of the history maker things ended with like, yes, unfortunately her empire was ripped from her and she died soon thereafter. And I was like, no, <laughs> I, like I five did, of them. Here's the thing. I did try to have like diversity in yeah. who I included. I did manage to have three enemies of Rome in this yeah. list. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, if Statistically, your, your empire it's hard not for a years. You get a lot of enemies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And honestly, like, just the fact that you had Ching Chi in there, I was like, oh, what a breath of fresh air. And, uh, oh, God, I wish I could remember her name. The one who had the coolest job in the world. Oh, Lubna of Cordova. Yeah, she was so yeah. cool. And, like, all her paintings, she looks like she's having a blast. Whereas, like, yep. Boudica, all of her paintings, she looks like she's simmering with barely concealed fury <laughs> at all times. And Zenobia, she has this sort of, like, mournful pride about her. Um, so, but, yeah. I just like that we got a few who were like, actually, my life went pretty good, and I retired wealthy and happy and lived a yeah. long and productive mm-hmm. life after that. And I'm like, yes, yeah. yes. I, well, one comment on, on the Ching Shi one was like, I love that what she says is, I'm retiring, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Power move. She'd be fun to get a go grab a drink with oh, after sure. she retired. Hit up Ching Shi and be like, yo, can you tell me some of like, your fun pirates? Yeah, Spill like, the tea. Top yeah. recap. pirate stories, go. Like, yeah, a cup of tea yes. with Ching Shi, that'd be great. Oh, man, incredible. Ooh. Better if it was stolen Amazing. off a British ship first. Oh, of course. I mean, you know she kept a few casks of that stuff around, you know, yeah. in her golden years. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we're Incredible. stealing tea from the British, but where did the British get the tea from in the first place? Eh? Eh? Okay, anyway. Um, I'm repatriating yeah. this tea. Exactly, yeah, yeah. We're redistributing it. Mm-hmm. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so many good options, so little time. Uh, speaking of time, we're coming up on it for this podcast, which means, Red, I have the same question for you that I have every single episode and every single episode, even though I know the answer, yeah. we have to run through this whole bit anyway. Oh, yeah. Are you ready to do the outro? Well, are we ever really ready for anything in this crazy, tumultuous world in which we live? What I find is it's readiness, better. truly, yeah. on, a, you know, on a psychological blue, level? don't you dare get in on this. <laughs> really, it's better to take it all one minute at a time. You know, we never know where the winds of change may lead us. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, the Kickstarter we've brought up has been linked in the description. Definitely check that out. Keep an ear out for the stretch goals. They'll be very exciting. We've also got the channel linked. I'm sure we'll also link uh, other previous editions of the Women Cards, so check those out. Until uh, next time, I've been Red. I've been Blue, and thank you, Zeb and Zach, for joining us on the show today. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thanks for coming. This has been an Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. 
We'll be back on March 23rd with another thrilling installment, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below. As well, we do still have our Kickstarter going for the women cards. If you are interested in getting your hands on a deck of some of the fabulous ladies of history, check out the link to that Kickstarter uh, from our guests Zeb and Zach in the show notes as well.